So we are, we're in a series called Passion. It's a good one. I don't see a passion in your context. <laughs> no, it's this thing. Well, good thing this recorded. <laughs> it didn't do that the first time. Uh, okay, so let's, uh, we'll just do this. Sorry, guys, this is weird. There we go. Okay, uh, this is why I use a pen and paper and not an iPad. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this morning as I was kind of getting ready, and I was thinking about Resurrection Sunday, and I was thinking about the events of this last few days. So, uh, if you're if you're familiar with the Christian faith, or even if you're if you're new to the Christian faith, or kind of what church is, so on on Friday is when we uh, as Christians remember when Jesus went to the cross. Okay, so why why did Jesus go to the cross? Well, I brought my backpack up, and uh, if you're if you're familiar with backpacks. You put stuff in it, sometimes junk, sometimes it's important, sometimes it means a lot to you, whatever it is. But I, I, I thought of this backpack this morning in, in the cross and how Jesus went to the cross to take those things that I carry in my life emotionally, spiritually, maybe it's relationally, maybe it's physically, those things that I kind of shove in my backpack and I'm like, I'm determined. I'm going to carry this the rest of my life. Maybe it's because I don't know what to do with it. Maybe it's because I'm afraid, whatever it is, but I just shove them in my backpack and before long, that baby gets heavy. Well, Jesus went to the cross so that you would take that backpack off and you'd give it to him. Okay? He wants to take sin. He wants to take hurts. He wants to take all those things from you. And that's why he went to the cross. Okay. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to take your backpack off, act like you got one on. If you're carrying something, take it off. And I'm just asking you to set it next to you. Okay. You don't have to do anything else with it yet. I'm just asking that you'll set it next to you. We'll come back to it later. Okay. But so Jesus goes to the cross. He wants to take all those burdens, all those cares, all those things. And then he goes into the grave. And then three days later, he rises from the dead. He, he shows he is, he has authority over all of those things that we carry over all the sin. He's taken it all. And he wants you to know that he, you have victory in Jesus, because he rose from the dead, you don't have to be stuck in the things that you're stuck in. Amen? Yes. Amen. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about that. So we're in this series called Passion. Um, it's just kind of going over this last week of Jesus's life. It's called Passion Week. Uh, one third of the Gospels, so the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the four, first four books of the New Testament. One third of the gospels are about this last week of Jesus's life. One, one half of, Jesus, of, of John's gospel is on this one week. Okay, so this is a very, very, this is where lives are changed is because of what happened this week. And that's what we're, we're celebrating today. So it's a day of celebration 
It's a day of victory. It's a day of joy because Jesus is rose from the dead. And if he rose, then we have victory in him. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's, let's go through. I want to read just a, a few verses, about six verses in Matthew about the resurrection and pull out just a couple things from there. And then we're going to jump into the heart of the message. It says, now after the Sabbath, so Jesus died on Friday, you know, let's, we got the Sabbath. Then Jesus is in the tomb and he rises from the dead. So now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, began to dawn. So they're coming out of darkness and the light is starting to shine. It's pretty cool. Okay. Uh, so coming down, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing is white as snow, and the guards took shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. Verse six, underline this in your Bible, maybe write it down if you're taking notes. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. There, there's so much just in these little, these, these few verses about the resurrection. Basically, Jesus was put into this tomb, okay? And, and the, the, uh, they put guards at the tomb because the bad guys, let's just word it that way. The bad guys thought that they were gonna come steal Jesus's body, that his disciples would come steal his body. So they set guards up at, that, at the tomb to make sure nobody came in. Well, if you know anything about Jesus, he doesn't need a rock to hold him back. So when he rose from the dead, Jesus rose from the dead, an angel shows up to Mary uh, and to, to the two Marys and, and then rolls the stone away and says, hey, take a peek because he's gone. That's amazing. But I love this part that says, he is not here for he is risen as he said, as he promised. I want you to remember that phrase. As he said, if God has said something over your life or if he has spoken something to you, hang in there, be patient because it will come to pass. Jesus does what he says he's going to do. Somebody needs to know that today. As he said, that phrase is gonna stick in your head and you're gonna need it now or you're gonna need it later, but God is faithful to do what he said he's gonna do. So Jesus raises from the dead we have the blessing of the Bible to be able to know the events of the cross. We also know the, that he did rise from the dead. But how many know that the disciples lived this? So we, have, we know the story, but the disciples and many, many people watched Jesus die on the cross and go get put into a tomb. And then they just got to wait. They don't know what's going to happen. And I want to talk to you for just a second on that, let's call it that Saturday experience. There's a gap between the crucifixion 
and the resurrection. And it's that Saturday. It's that, that Saturday where I don't know what's going to happen. What I just thought was going to happen didn't. It didn't turn out the way that I expected it. And if we're not very, very careful, we'll begin to pitch a tent or maybe camp out on that Saturday experience. We camp out in that place of the unknown. Just like you might have questions of pain and confusion, the disciples did too. But my goal today is to help lead you to Sunday. I want to point you in the right direction to the promise that Jesus has for your life. But there's, a, there's this period of waiting in between that, that pain of, of, the, of the cross and the promise there's a, of, of the resurrection. There's this, there's this waiting period and waiting is part of our spiritual journey. We can't ignore waiting. Okay, so we go to the grocery store, to Meyer. Jillian goes into the store and the kids and I wait in the car. I use it as nap time, okay? <laughs> she, Jillian, Jillian's got this t-shirt and I might've shared this with you before. I don't remember, but it says, if I'm not out in five minutes, just wait longer. <laughs> that's, not, that's not really the waiting I'm talking about, but we do. We got to wait, okay? The, the kind of waiting I'm talking about today is that I don't see the end waiting. Is it ever going to come to pass waiting? All I see is darkness. There is no light at the, under, uh, at the end of the tunnel waiting. I... I I don't know how it's all going to work out. That's the waiting I'm talking about. These disciples had followed Jesus for three and a half years. I mean, they lived with him. Everywhere he went, they went. And now their, their teacher, their, their master, their savior is, is gone. And the temptation is to think that Jesus is doing absolutely nothing when he's laying in the tomb. But if you've read the Bible at all, or if you've ever heard this story, or maybe this is your first time, I need you to know that Jesus wasn't just lying in that tomb. He was going and getting the keys to hell and the grave so that you would never, ever, ever have to go there. He has authority over hell. He has authority over the grave. He has authority over sickness. He has authority over everything. And he just needs you to trust him. James 1, 2, and 3 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Waiting is part of our spiritual journey. God could, Jesus could have called angels down immediately when he was on that cross and he could have got off that thing anytime he wanted. But he bore all that pain and all that shame for you and I. He could very, very quickly end your pain. He could very, very quickly answer your question. 
I don't know why sometimes it takes long. I don't have those answers. But I do know this, that he is about developing you, your character. He is about maturing you. He is about revealing himself to you in many, many ways. And sometimes, I don't like it any more than you do, but sometimes during the difficulty is where we realize who God is. If you didn't live in a pit, you wouldn't know that you needed rescued. So sometimes we're going to do our own thing and I'm going to do it my own way. But eventually it's going to get too tiring. You're going to have the come to Jesus meeting. But I love the fact that God is faithful in our trials. He is faithful in the hard times. He is developing our character. And he does not abandon us. But God is not only working when we can't see it. But I love even though the the resurrection story is about six verses. After that, there's a lot of verses that talked about what happened after the resurrection. And let me tell you that God is still making appearances today. He rose from the dead and he started to reveal himself to people. And he is still doing that today. And he is going to do that in your life today. Today is the day of salvation for some of you. So let's talk about who who Jesus revealed himself to. I have three things that I want to I go over. But I would have thought, as a good son, Jesus would have first revealed himself to his mama. <laughs> Mom, I'm sorry you had to see that. It's okay, guys. Just relax. Okay? It's all right. It's going to be a good day. I would have thought that Jesus would have gone to the soldiers. See, this is, if, okay, this is Luke's version. I'd have gone to the soldiers and I would have said, my turn. I'm back. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) But he didn't. So let's go to John 20, verse 11 through 14. So Jesus, this is Jesus revealing himself to Mary Magdalene. It says, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus's body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will be and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. The first person or group of people, I want to say, 
that Jesus revealed himself to were the brokenhearted. Mary's crying. She's weeping. She's even, I find it interesting, she's looking for Jesus. She's doing everything that she knows to do, but her heart is broken. She is looking for the one who had already set her free. If you've ever seen The Chosen, I love the, the, the scene where, uh, where Mary says, she says, I was once one way and now I'm different and the thing that's in between is him. He's the difference maker. He's the life changer. He's the one that sets you free. And so Jesus goes to her. She doesn't even, she's looking for a body. She doesn't realize that Jesus is risen from the dead. So she turns around, doesn't really recognize him because she's not thinking he's going to show up in the way that he did. But then he utters her name and she knows. She knows who it is. God knows your name. God knows your name. I promise you that. He knows your name. He knows your heart. And he wants you to know that he knows. Jesus appeared to the brokenhearted. I, I, I wrote down, heaven notices when you cry and God knows you by name. He's not far away. You just got to look for him. I love Psalms 34, 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The second group of people that Jesus revealed himself to were the doubting. There's a guy by the name of Doubting Thomas. I mean, really his name's Thomas, but he got the name Doubting because he he didn't believe that Jesus had rose from the dead. So in John 20, verse 24 through 29, it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was, one of, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. This is after the, the resurrection. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Jesus was not intimidated by Thomas's doubt. See, they were in a room that was locked and Jesus entered. I'm literally standing up here just reading that. And, and I, I think there are people's hearts that are hard, that they have closed off God. But I pray he comes 
and he enters your heart this morning and he floods it with light. He floods it with love. He floods it with hope and with peace because only he can do that. Those that are doubting, those that give up. I've, I've gone too far. He's never going to speak. Whatever that lie is, Jesus is saying, come touch my hands. Come put your hand in my side. Come see that it's really me. This is really Jesus. Do you doubt that your marriage can be restored? Come touch his hand. Do you doubt that you can actually be free from addiction? Come touch his side. The third person I wrote down here was Peter. I love Peter. Peter was man's man. He's got my back. If I'm in a fight, I'm saying, I choose Peter. I think. <laughs> Peter would have done anything for Jesus. He was following him. But there came a point in time where Jesus says, listen, Peter, by the end of the night, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, that ain't going to happen. Jesus goes to the cross. And by the time he dies, Peter has denied him three times. We can deny Christ in lots of different ways. We can live one way in the church and another way outside of the church. We can pretend he doesn't exist. We can do all sorts of things that deny him, but it doesn't change the truth. But Jesus dies on the cross and then he, he's laid in the tomb and Peter is left there with these thoughts of failure. His last conversation with Jesus was, I won't deny you. And what does he do? He goes and denies him. It'd be silly of me to think that in a room this size, there's not somebody dealing with failure. They feel that because they have failed God or because they continuously are messing up, that God won't have anything to do with them. But I'm here to tell you today that when Jesus rose from the dead, you go in this Bible and you read it. When Jesus rose from the dead, he says this in Mark. Mark uh, 16, verse 7. An angel uh, says to, this, uh, to Mary, says, go tell his disciples, go tell Jesus' disciples, 
and Peter. He calls out Peter. He says, go tell the disciples and Peter that I am going before you into Galilee and there you will see him as he has said to you. Your failure does not stop God. He is not afraid of your failure. He's not afraid of your doubt. He's not afraid of your brokenness. He says, come, come. Jesus is not giving up on you. He he goes to Peter, he restores Peter and Peter becomes one of the, basically he starts the church. If we were in a room and there was a thousand steps between Jesus Christ and you, Jesus would take 990 steps, 999 steps, and he would reach his hand out. He'd say, I just need you to take one. Just, just grab my hand. I'll even pull you the one. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need to take a step towards Jesus. Whether you've been in the church for 50 years and you've loved Jesus the whole time, or you've never even, this is your first experience with church and maybe you're just hearing about Jesus, I I don't know. But everybody needs to take a step. He's come to you this morning because he's got a life for you. He wants to free you to save you, to heal you. But he needs you to grab his hand. This is when we take the backpack that we put next to us and I'm going to ask you to bring it to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to part with the sin, the things that separate us, the doubts, the worry, the brokenness. Jesus says, you give it to me and I'll give you life. I'll give you forgiveness. You don't have to carry that load any longer. As I was preparing for this message, 1 Corinthians 1.18 just kept sticking out over and over in my mind. And it says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I'm asking you to take a backpack and lay it before Jesus. It's silly, okay, I get it. But if you're carrying a load that you're not intended to carry, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You know 
that your heart is not right with God, that something's not right. The fact that a supernatural God would come in the form of a baby in the name of Jesus, live 33 years on this earth, die on a cross and rise from the dead is an interesting story. Unless you've experienced the life transformation that happens when you give your life to Jesus. It's such a radical transformation. It's such a beautiful thing. You got to give it a try. And if you're desperate enough, you'll give it a try. I'm telling you, there's no other way. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're here and you've never heard of Jesus or what he has done for you. You may have not known that he offers you forgiveness, healing and freedom, that he offers you life, but you've heard now. And that invitation is open to every single person in this room. So what do I do with an invitation? I accept it. I receive it. And I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord. So think of it this way. Every every person has to determine, is my heart right with God? That's the number one question you have to ask. Is my heart right with God? And if you're here and you say, I hope so, or I think so, today you can know for absolute sure. The Bible says in Romans that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now. It's a defining moment. It's a moment you'll never forget. If you want to ask Jesus into your heart, and surrender your life to him, or if you've been away from God and you want to come back to him, then today is your day. On the count of three, I'm going to ask that you slip up your hand and we're going to, make, we're going to pray. If you want to be included in that prayer, then I need you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. Keep it up. Raise it up high. Amen. Raise it up high. We've got, the ushers have some information that they just want to put in your hand. Keep them up. Anybody else? Anybody else? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up high. If you haven't got a booklet, please keep your hand up.
Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a beautiful promise. And that's what we're gonna do right now. So if you'll pray and repeat after me, if you raised your hand or if you meant to raise your hand, let's pray this prayer out loud. Church, if you'll pray along for encouragement, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again, and he's seated on the throne. Father, forgive me for all that I've done wrong, and I choose to forgive all others. Come into my life today and forever. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen.